This is day 35 of our daily Bible reading plan. We'll be covering Deuteronomy chapters 18 through 22. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to spend time with you and to study your word and know your truth. Lord, that you are truth. You are life. And you are everything that we need and everything that we should want. Lord, that you satisfy our souls and you are all sufficient. Lord, that we may recognize that today and just bask in your blessings and in your law. Because your law is good for us and it teaches us what sin is and how to stay away from it. Lord, may we honor you with our lips and with our hearts. Please bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. The Levitical priests, the whole tribe of Levi, shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's offerings by fire and his portion. They shall have no inheritance among their countrymen. The Lord is their inheritance, as he promised them. Now this shall be the priests' due from the people, from those who offer a sacrifice, either an ox or a sheep of which they shall give to the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks and the stomach. You shall give him the first fruits of your grain, your new wine, your new oil, and the first shearing of your sheep. For the Lord your God has chosen him and his sons from all your tribes to stand and serve in the name of the Lord forever. Now if a Levite comes from any of your towns throughout Israel where he resides, and comes whenever he desires to the place which the Lord chooses, then he shall serve in the name of the Lord his God, like all his fellow Levites who stand there before the Lord. They shall eat equal portions, except what they receive from the sale of their father's estates. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For those nations which you shall dispossess, listen to those who practice witchcraft and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your countrymen you shall listen to him. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God in Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire any more, or I will die. The Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you. 
and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. You may say in your heart, How will we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. When the Lord your God cuts off the nations, whose land the Lord your God gives you, and you dispossess them and settle in their cities and in their houses, you shall set aside three cities for yourself in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God gives you to possess. You shall prepare the roads for yourself, and divide into three parts the territory of your land, which the Lord your God will give you as a possession, so that any manslayer may flee there. Now this is the case of the manslayer, who may flee there and live. When he kills his friend unintentionally, not hating him previously, as when a man goes into the forest with his friend to cut wood, and his hand swings the axe to cut down the tree, and the iron head slips off the handle and strikes his friend so that he dies. He may flee to one of these cities and live. Otherwise, the avenger of blood might pursue the manslayer in the heat of his anger and overtake him, because the way is long, and take his life, though he was not deserving of death, since he had not hated him previously. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall set aside three cities for yourself. If the Lord your God enlarges your territory, just as he has sworn to your fathers, and gives you all the land which he promised to give your fathers, if you carefully observe all this commandment which I command you today, to love the Lord your God, and to walk in his ways always, then you shall add three more cities for yourself, besides those three. So innocent blood will not be shed in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, and blood guiltiness be on you. But if there is a man who hates his neighbor, and lies in wait for him, and rises up against him, and strikes him so that he dies, and he flees to one of these cities, then the elders of his city shall send and take him from there, and deliver him into the hand of the avenger of blood, that he may die. You shall not pity him, but you shall purge the blood of the innocent from Israel that it may go well with you. You shall not move your neighbor's boundary mark, which the ancestors have set, in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God gives you to possess. A single witness shall not rise up against a man 
on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. If a malicious witness rises up against a man to accuse him of wrongdoing, then both the men who have the dispute shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who will be in office in those days. The judges shall investigate thoroughly. And if the witness is a false witness, and he has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him just as he had intended to do to his brother. Thus you shall purge the evil from among you. The rest will hear and be afraid, and will never again do such an evil thing among you. Thus you shall not show pity. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. When you go out to battle against your enemies, and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt, is with you. When you are approaching the battle, the priest shall come near and speak to the people. He shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, you are approaching the battle against your enemies today. Do not be faint-hearted. Do not be afraid, or panic, or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. The officers also shall speak to the people, saying, Who is the man that has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him depart and return to his house, otherwise he might die in the battle and another man would dedicate it. Who is the man that has planted a vineyard and has not begun to use its fruit? Let him depart and return to his house, otherwise he might die in the battle and another man would begin to use its fruit. And who is the man that is engaged to a woman and has not married her? Let him depart and return to his house, otherwise he might die in the battle, and another man would marry her. Then the officers shall speak further to the people and say, Who is the man that is afraid and faint-hearted? Let him depart and return to his house, so that he might not make his brother's hearts melt like his heart. When the officers have finished speaking to the people, they shall appoint commanders of armies at the head of the people. When you approach a city to fight against it, you shall offer it terms of peace. If it agrees to make peace with you and opens to you, then all the people who are found in it shall become your forced labor and shall serve you. However, if it does not make peace with you, but makes war against you, then you shall besiege it. When the Lord your God gives it into your hand, you shall strike all the men in it with the edge of the sword. Only the women and the children and the animals and all that is in the city, all its spoil, you shall take as booty for yourself. And you shall use the spoil of your enemies, which the Lord your God has given you. 
Thus you shall do to all the cities that are very far from you, which are not of the cities of those nations nearby. Only in the cities of these peoples that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, you shall not leave alive anything that breathes, but you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittite and the Amorite, the Canaanite and the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite, as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that they may not teach you to do according to all their detestable things which they have done for their gods, so that you would sin against the Lord your God. When you besiege a city a long time to make war against it in order to capture it, you shall not destroy its trees by swinging an axe against them, for you may eat from them, and you shall not cut them down. For is the tree of the field a man, that it should be besieged by you? Only the trees which you know are not fruit trees you shall destroy and cut down, that you may construct siege works against the city that is making war with you until it falls. If a slain person is found lying in the open country, in the land which the Lord your God gives you to possess, and it is not known who has struck him, then your elders and your judges shall go out and measure the distance to the cities which are around the slain one. It shall be that the city which is nearest to the slain man, that is, the elders of that city, shall take a heifer of the herd, which has not been worked, and which has not pulled in a yoke, and the elders of that city shall bring the heifer down to a valley with running water, which has not been plowed or sown, and shall break the heifer's neck there in the valley. Then the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come near, for the Lord your God has chosen them to serve him and to bless in the name of the Lord. And every dispute and every assault shall be settled by them. All the elders of that city, which is nearest to the slain man, shall wash their hands over the heifer, whose neck was broken in the valley. And they shall answer and say, Our hands did not shed this blood, nor did our eyes see it. Forgive your people Israel, whom you have redeemed, O Lord, and do not place the guilt of innocent blood in the midst of your people Israel and the blood guiltiness shall be forgiven them. So you shall remove the guilt of innocent blood from your midst, when you do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. When you go out to battle against your enemies, and the Lord your God delivers them into your hands, and you take them away captive, and see among the captives a beautiful woman, and have a desire for her, and would take her as a wife for yourself, then you shall bring her home to your house, and she shall shave her head and trim her nails. She shall also remove the clothes of her captivity, and shall remain in your house, and mourn her father and mother a full month. And after that you may go in to her, and be her husband, and she shall be your wife. It shall be, 
If you are not pleased with her, then you shall let her go wherever she wishes. But you shall certainly not sell her for money. You shall not mistreat her, because you have humbled her. If a man has two wives, the one loved and the other unloved, and both the loved and the unloved have borne him sons, if the firstborn son belongs to the unloved, then it shall be in the day he wills what he has to his sons. He cannot make the son of the loved the firstborn before the son of the unloved, who is the firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the firstborn, the son of the unloved, by giving him a double portion of all that he has. For he is the beginning of his strength. To him belongs the right of the firstborn. If any man has a stubborn or rebellious son, who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them, then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gateway of his hometown. They shall say to the elders of his city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. So you shall remove the evil from your midst, and all Israel will hear of it and fear. If a man has committed a sin worthy of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his corpse shall not hang all night on the tree, but you shall surely bury him on the same day, for he who is hanged is accursed of God so that you do not defile your land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. You shall not see your countryman's ox or his sheep straying away and pay no attention to them. You shall surely bring them back to your countrymen. If your countryman is not near you, or if you do not know him, then you shall bring it home to your house and it shall remain with you until your countryman looks for it. Then you shall restore it to him. This you shall do with his donkey, and you shall do the same with his garment, and you shall do likewise with anything lost by your countryman, which he has lost and you have found. You are not allowed to neglect them. You shall not see your countryman's donkey or his ox fallen down on the way, and pay no attention to them. You shall surely help him to raise them up. A woman shall not wear man's clothing, nor shall a man put on a woman's clothing. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. If you happen to come upon a bird's nest along the way, in any tree or on the ground, with young ones or eggs, and the mother sitting on the young or on the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. You shall surely let the mother go. But the young you may take for yourself, in order that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days. When you build a new house, 
you shall make a parapet for your roof, so that you will not bring blood guilt on your house if anyone falls from it. You shall not sow your vineyard with two kinds of seed, for all the produce of the seed which you have sown and the increase of the vineyard will become defiled. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. You shall not wear a material mixed of wool and linen together. You shall make yourselves tassels on the four corners of your garment with which you cover yourself. If any man takes a wife and goes into her and then turns against her and charges her with shameful deeds and publicly defames her and says, I took this woman, but when I came near her, I did not find her a virgin. Then the girl's father and her mother shall take and bring out the evidence of the girl's virginity to the elders of the city at the gate. The girl's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man for a wife, but he turned against her. And behold, he has charged her with shameful deeds, saying, I did not find your daughter a virgin. But this is the evidence of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread the garment before the elders of the city. So the elders of that city shall take the man and chastise him. And they shall fine him a hundred shekels of silver and give it to the girl's father, because he publicly defamed a virgin of Israel. And she shall remain his wife. He cannot divorce her all his days. But if this charge is true, that the girl was not found a virgin, then they shall bring out the girl to the doorway of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her to death, because she has committed an act of folly in Israel by playing the harlot in her father's house. Thus you shall purge the evil from among you. If a man is found lying with a married woman, then both of them shall die, the man who lay with the woman and the woman. Thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. If there is a girl who is a virgin engaged to a man, and another man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city, and you shall stone them to death. The girl, because she did not cry out in the city, and the man, because he has violated his neighbor's wife. Thus you shall purge the evil from among you. But if in the field the man finds the girl who is engaged, and the man forces her and lies with her, then only the man who lies with her shall die. But you shall do nothing to the girl. There is no sin in the girl worthy of death. For just as a man rises against his neighbor and murders him, so is this case. When he found her in the field, the engaged girl cried out, but there was no one to save her. If a man finds a girl who is a virgin, who is not engaged, and seizes her, and lies with her, and they are discovered, then the man who lay with her 
shall give to the girl's father fifty shekels of silver, and she shall become his wife because he has violated her. He cannot divorce her all his days. A man shall not take his father's wife, so that he will not uncover his father's skirt. So I'm sure you were thinking what I was thinking um, at the beginning here, that some of this sounded very familiar. And it should, because this is a recap and a comprehensive understanding of what God was originally instructing us in the earlier books. But there are a few things to point out here that were really important. So let's start with chapter 18. Beginning in verse 15, there's a section of scripture here that outlines a prophet. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. Moses talking here, of course. From your countrymen you shall listen to him. God spoke thus that they have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. That is a description of a lot of the prophets that will come later in the Bible. Not only that, but the final prophet is also mentioned here, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the final prophet. He is our prophet, he is our high priest, and he is our king. Jesus is the ultimate final fulfillment of this prophecy. And Moses is regarded as a prophet because he spoke the words of the Lord. And again, just because a prophet is not necessarily someone who tells the future accurately. That is true, yes, but that is not all-encompassing for the definition of a prophet. A prophet is anyone who speaks directly what it comes from the mouth of the Lord. So that's why even men today, men who are responsible for their households, are called to be prophets, so that when we speak and teach our family, our children, our spouse, that we are teaching directly from the Word of God. We are prophets in our own right. But this is the final and ultimate prophet, Jesus Christ. And he says, how do you know if the prophet is legitimate or not? Well, it's very simple. Like it says here in verse 22, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, it's got to come true. Otherwise, it's not from the Lord. Because why? Everything that the Lord says is true. And everything that he predicts will come to pass, exactly as he says. So if any prophet is found to be a liar, they deserve to die. This one is also important in chapter 20. When you go to battle, and you see your enemies, and you see horses and chariots, and people more numerous than you, don't be afraid. For the Lord your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt, is with you. Do not be faint-hearted. Do not be afraid or panic or tremble. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you and to save you. The Lord is our deliverance, and he is our banner. He will secure the victory against all odds, 
And we're going to see that plenty throughout the, the coming books, that the odds are stacked against Israel. Impossible odds. And every time God gets through it easily and miraculously, because he always does it in that way on purpose. He, he stacks the deck against himself on purpose because he needs everybody to know that he is the Lord. He puts it in such a way that man cannot boast that it was their achievement, that there's no other explanation for it but that God did it. And he loves doing that for himself to show who he really is. And I like also that he gives them a way out. And it shows here that victory is decided by the Lord. It's not decided by the number of men. So I like that it shows that military was not the most important thing. He gave these people a way out so that they could live a full life. It goes to show that God doesn't need numbers in order to win the battle. He just needs people who are fully devoted to the battle. And we can say the same as Christians today. He needs people that are fully devoted. He needs us to be hot or he needs us to be cold. Why? For one, he won't use us unless we are engaged. So if we have things that are holding us back, things like, like it says here, you planted a vineyard, you didn't get to use the fruit yet, go back home and take care of that. You, you built a new house and you're going to dedicate it, but you haven't done it yet, go home and take care of that. You're engaged to a woman, you haven't married her, started a family, go home and do that. Those things are important. I don't need you for that. Because if you go to this battle and you're carrying baggage, you're going to hold back. You're going to be afraid to go out there because you're regretting being in the battlefield because you've got all this stuff waiting for you back home. So go take care of that. But what people I need are the ones that are going to be on the front lines that are focused, that have no distractions, no other commitments anywhere else except they're committed to my cause. And that's what he tells us to do today. We are to be committed to his cause no matter what, without in holding anything back, withholding anything from him, and not being distracted by our earthly lusts or our priorities that we put in front of God. He wants to be number one in this battle. And right now that we are in a huge spiritual battle. And those who are going to be his soldiers, which is why I hope that's why you're here listening to this podcast, we are here to train. We're here to be ready. And if we're not fully engaged, God will not use us. Or we will attempt to be used and we will fail because we're doing it with a divided mind, a heart with double allegiance. And God does not like that. But you also see God's love here as well in a couple of places. His love for peace. He, he says every time you're going to go fight, offer peace first. He doesn't want destruction. 
God does not revel and enjoy the death of people. He wants peace. He does have an exception for the people that are in Canaan. He has declared destruction to them completely because of how sinful and how evil and how corrupt they are. That they are irredeemable at this point. They're fools. And again, that's why Jesus warns us not to say fools to people today because that spirit of that language means that they are not able to be redeemed. They are beyond redemption. And let's make it very clear. No one is beyond redemption. No matter how dark they are now, we were there once too. We're no different than them. We can't compare ourselves and say, well, I wasn't as bad as them. In God's eyes, we are. We are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. So do not judge people in that manner. Do not call people fools, because nobody is beyond God's reach. Will he save everyone? No. But no one is beyond his reach. You also see how much he loves his creation, and he loves providing for people by, you can't cut down trees that are fruit trees. You know, you have the, the food there to sustain yourself and to sustain those that you're trying to besiege. Have love for your enemies. You see that? It's a very subtle place there, but you see that love your enemies language being demonstrated here. I thought this was very interesting in chapter 21, beginning of verse 15. If a man has two wives, see if this sounds familiar to you. If a man has two wives, the one that is loved and the other unloved, and both the loved and the unloved have borne him sons, and if the firstborn son belongs to the unloved, then he shall receive double portion, and the father has to recognize him because he is the beginning of his strength. What does that sound like? That sounds exactly like Jacob, right? That's exactly the language that was used of them. It exactly described that way. Rachel was loved. Leah was not loved. Jacob even declared his firstborn, Reuben, to be the beginning of his strength. So I thought that was very interesting that that was added to the law because of something that Jacob did. Interesting. And yes, I like to use that word a lot, if you haven't noticed already. It's kind of hard not to. I like to use the word interesting because that's what it is. It is interesting. Now, this part here that to finish the chapter and chapter 22 we can summarize it pretty well here. All the stuff that is going on in the world today that is completely unacceptable in our eyes as Christians, or should be, rather, all the stuff that we have allowed to happen up until this point. Do you see any of these things that are going on in the world right now that God has declared should be destroyed? And you see the same reasoning at the end of every paragraph, or something like it. Do this. If this happens, 
Do this so that you will purge the evil from Israel. Do this if you see this, and you will purge the evil from Israel. If someone does this, you, you handle it like this, so that you purge the evil from among you. You see the pattern. There's a lot of that. So starting with not obeying your father and mother and listening to them, that is a serious deal in God's law. It was so important that you honor your mother and father that it was one of the Ten Commandments. That is a serious deal. Because if you're going to rebel against your parents, who are your final, your first, and your final authority before you become an adult, if you can't even obey your parents, how are you going to obey anyone? How are you going to obey a boss? How are you going to obey your elders? How are you going to obey God? So that was a very serious matter. And you don't want to start anarchy. You don't want to start a lawless nature outside of the home. If you have a lawless person inside your home that you have allowed to exist, shame on you as a parent, first of all. But secondly, if you have been trying to do your best, because there's some godly parents that have some really messed up kids because of their personalities or whatever, if they are that obstinate and stubborn, in Bible times, you get stoned. You talk about some motivation for your kids to behave. There you go. It's not just a spanking, but you disobey me and you're gonna you're gonna get stoned, brother. That's a big deal. Imagine how many of the issues that would fix in our nation today if this was practiced today. Just imagine that. I don't think any some of the parents that are alive today that are creating this lawless generation, I don't think they would have survived because of the way that they are parenting. It's really sad. Lawless begets lawlessness. And so they have allowed this to get this bad. But imagine if it was something enforced today. It would stop from the household. It wouldn't even touch the public and infect society. It would stop at the home. And we wouldn't have some of the issues we have today, I think. That's why God has it in his law. Here's another one. A woman should not wear man's clothing, nor shall a man put on a woman's clothing, for these things are an abomination to the Lord your God. How often are you going to hear it in this generation? Oh, that's archaic. That's so old-fashioned. That doesn't apply anymore. Or even some people trying to tr twist the scripture. But we're free from the law in Christ. Jesus said you're free from the law. Well, hang on. <laughs> there, you got to be careful with that one. Because in some aspects, yes, we are free from the law. But it doesn't mean you have a license to sin. Why? Because God 
has abolished some things in his law that are no longer necessary, like the sacrificial system, because Jesus Christ was the final and ultimate sacrifice on the cross. But God's standards are eternal. He never changes, neither do his standards. So if God says that wearing a woman's clothes when you're a man, which promotes that transvestite, that drag queen, homosexuality, transsexual, pansexual garbage we have today, that's what it's allowing. That's what it's encouraging if we allow this. And God would not allow this because the Bible is very clear that perversion of sexual orientation and all of that stuff is completely evil in his eyes and he absolutely hates it. He will not tolerate it. It is a grievous sin to him. It is no different than other sins. Let's be clear about that. Sin is sin. God is just as angry with liars and cheaters and murderers as he is with people who practice homosexuality. It's not that. They're a special breed of sin. Sin is sin. God does not like any sins. So we can't be judgmental. Be careful with this one. Because we still have to love people as ourselves. And we have to be patient and kind to people. We love the sinner, but we hate what they're doing. We hate the sin. And we call for their repentance. Very important that we do this the right way, because we're not supposed to be hating our fellow human beings. We're all made in the image of God. It doesn't matter what color you come from, what background, what, na what nation you come from. We're all made in the image of God. One human race. God loves us, and so he wanted to keep Israel pure. And he wants the same for us today. You just see the love he has for nature. Just how he's like, look, don't destroy it. If you see a mother laying on some eggs, go ahead and take the eggs, but spare the mother. If you build a new house, make a parapet for your roof. What is a parapet? It's a wall to make sure no one falls off your roof. It's like a like a what we would have today, like a like a rail, a guardrail on a balcony or a patio. It's the same concept. That is love for your fellow man that God is trying to promote with people. I'm putting up a wall on my roof so you don't kill yourself. That's how much I love you. Just I mean, you see this everywhere in the law here. Now, there's very specific language as well when it comes to uh, sexual promiscuity, uh, when a man is trying to seduce women, when a woman is seducing a man, how marriage works, men who are lying and trying to defame women, that's not tolerated. There's a lot of people today that don't have a proper understanding of the Bible expectations for marriage as well as how a man is supposed to treat a woman. It's very laid out here clearly. And it has specific language about things like rape and incest. There, Those things are not acceptable either, by far. So, and like it says here, if they 
if a man forces himself on a woman, she is not guilty. It's not her fault. She was a victim. And God understands that. And he doesn't hold her accountable for that. But nowhere in here does it say that if she gets pregnant from this, that you are authorized to kill the baby. Right? You don't see that. You see that sin taints life, and a tainted life is deserving of death because God's holy justice demands it. But you also see that life is precious. Life is absolutely precious to our Lord. That's why he hates it. Back in chapter 18, he said, he reminds them once again, there shall not be found anyone among you who makes a son or his daughter pass through the fire. That is the old school, ancient version of abortion. He hates that stuff. Absolutely abhors it. It's an abomination to him. It disgusts him to his very core. So, shame on anyone who calls himself a Christian or any religious leader who calls himself a Christian and tolerates the death of infants or this sexual perversion. It's all wrong. And God has made it very clear in his word. If you have a problem with it, go talk to God yourself. Well, you don't think there's a God? Well, he believes in you. And I believe that you're going to meet him one day, and you're going to have to account for everything you've done. And you try to explain to him what kind of games you are playing. If you are living in sin, please, I beg you, for the love that I have for you, please repent. Please. Please follow the mercy of God and humble yourself in his presence that he may spare you from eternal hell. This is how seriously we need to take this stuff. This is how seriously he meant for this to be taken. These evils are worthy of death so that you do not cause a cancer to spread throughout the culture and poison a whole society and corrupt everyone. Purge the evil from Israel. And in the same way, we should have, from the very beginning, been purging the evil within our nation. If that means the death penalty, so be it. Not my words. Not that I love seeing people die. This is God's standards. And we have to understand that as Christians. You don't have the right to obey to choose what part of God's law you like and what part of God's law you don't like. If you truly are a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything he loves is what you are expected to love. Everything that God hates, you are expected to hate everything he hates. There is no other way around it. And if you try to play games saying, I'm going to pick and choose, then you're not worshiping God. You're worshiping yourself or your version of God. That is not the true God. Therefore, you're worshiping nothing. You're worshiping something fake and phony. 
And that God is not going to save you from the justice of the real God, the true God of the Bible. So please, I beg you, understand what the law is supposed to be. Understand the word of the Lord as he intends it, not for how you want to interpret it, but how the Lord interprets it. That is the truth, and may this truth set us free. That's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and I will see you next time. Take care of yourself. God bless.